As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. The boys are back. The boys are back. Finger guns in the air. Holidays. Holiday roundup. Android's Dungeon. What are the games? What were the holidays like? Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting from the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. It is a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Uh, It is rainy and snowy and possibly cold and icy, depending on where you are. Uh, And it may or may not be Thursday, depending on if you're in the studio right now or not. Uh, Big shout out to Clannagale, possibly the greatest show on CFRU, as far as my opinion goes right now. it's fantastic music, and its host is one of the nicest, smartest guys in the world and helped us get this computer going. Yeah. Uh, because, Joel, what's it like every time we come into the studio to perform our uh, our art, our art? It's the law of surprise. <laughs> the law of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reference right there. <laughs> We're getting going here. Yeah, it's uh, you come in and you get a special treat. Sometimes it's the board. Sometimes there's a button push that shouldn't be pushed. Sometimes there's a knob twisted that wasn't twisted before. But we learn. <laughs> we learn every time we learn to fix that problem. But we never see it again. It, it's kind of like the... Because, uh, Joel, you, you do IT. Is that fair to say? Yes. Uh, would you say you don't learn anything unless things go wrong? And then typically when you solve the solution in a constructive manner, not just one of these, I turn it on and off and it worked. <laughs> but when you know what the problem is, when you come down the line and you see it again, you can easily fix it the second time, correct? Yeah. And nobody writes it down. And nobody writes it down. <laughs> <laughs> documentation. Mm. It is important. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I am very thorough in my <laughs> documenting of how I fixed a thing. But uh, I can't say the same for... I've known uh, developers that I th- I, my friend who's, uh, who works in Toronto doing stuff like this, I think his documentation is usually pretty good in, mm. when his design. But I think they've definitely, he's definitely had to pick up slack from people or worked with guys that don't document at all. And it's a combination of laziness and maliciousness in the sense of if somebody's writing code and they're not telling you what this code's doing or what it's supposed to do, it makes it very difficult to troubleshoot it. Yeah. But and at the same time, like, I think. Maybe it's job security. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's where the malicious yeah. part comes from, where it's like, oh, no, th- this is a dog's breakfast of code. We can't let this guy go because he's the only person <laughs> who can keep this thing going. And it's one thing if it's like kind of the, the absent-minded professor who's just really good, but it's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't get to that. But it's like, okay, everything's working. It's another thing where it's like, mm, Facili knows what he's up to. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <not> <laughs> Breaking this key core part of the code. And yeah. Then. Anyway, Android's Dungeon is a show about books, movies, music, games of the video and cardboard typically cardboard type mm-hmm. um you can check us out check us out online at all your favorite podcasting websites if you don't catch the show or you can check us out on cfru.ca or on the radio 93.3 fm 
Joel, what have you been playing recently? Do you think anyone, <laughs> just yeah. on a side note here, yeah, do you yeah. think anyone ever worries about, you know, um, uh, the environmental impact of the rise of board games? <laughs> <laughs> Is this tying into the, the thing that I saw about, you know, watching Netflix kills the environment? Or... Oh, yeah, why is that? Uh, I don't know. Power consumption. <laughs> it made zero sense. Electricity. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, all my electricity is generated by me running out of bicycle Mario parts. Uh, parts oh, yeah, out. yeah. While well, a ghost chases you don't have to pay money that way. Yeah, it's free. My thighs I, are gigantic. I don't know if you've seen this, but we have uh, we have a new gas company here in Guelph. It's replaced Guelph Hydro. I think it's called Electra. I did not. Something like this. And um, they have a proposal in with the government now to... Raise all the prices. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, why? Well, obviously, uh, the public company just wasn't uh, operating on profits. <laughs> and everyone know when you think of Ontario, everyone thinks of our cheap electricity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Affordable hydro. Yeah, it's so, um, you know, I've got so much uh, energy. I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know who I was talking to, but apparently they, they went down to, like, you know, the near states. And we're mentioning like, yeah, our hydro bills and this and that. Hydro and they had no idea. Yeah, they had yeah. no idea what we were talking about because they're all operating on coal still. Well, but also hydro is a bizarre because I'm pretty sure most of our power isn't hydroelectric. But, yeah, uh, true. Coming from the Bruce Nuke. <laughs> Shout out to my local <laughs> whoop, whoop. power station. You can hear it every time you go camping. In the <laughs> <laughs> I did the it's tour of it. It's not far from your cottage, actually. It's very close. It's a it's a pretty quick drive. We're not in the vicinity that I didn't know this until I took the tour. That if you're within a certain vicinity of the of the Bruce Nuclear, you have you to can't take have a, children. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> it's just that the government has to execute them afterward, and they they usually fight back. Yeah, but uh, you have to take I I don't I don't know if it's iodine pills, but you have to take a oh yeah um capsule ca- of some something sort. to keep uh, I guess like maybe it's not even like you you're radioactive. It's just in the event of like any sort of residual sort of stuff. I'm not totally clear. They didn't explain that part. I just noticed a sign on the side like don't <laughs> come here to get your tablets. Oh yeah, don't walk, don't leave without them. Yeah. What's uh? Did you watch uh, Chernobyl? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah quality eh? it was scary it was actually yeah. scary that's and i think that's there's there are a few shows that get me and yeah. i think that's one of them that just no, like and real depressing it. too yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a, and you're just looking at all happy. these people like working there and you're just like they're not gonna make it <laughs> no, no 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 the guys hold like picking up parts of it. it's like oh geez Ooh, it's hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah you bet poor yeah. guys uh yeah chernobyl is fantastic and it almost wanted me, made me want to play stalker again which is uh, have you played Stalker? No. It, it's one of these games that I First think... First I thought you said soccer, and I was like, no, that's impossible. that's not right. <laughs> I'd rather go to Chernobyl. Than, no, anyway. Um, it's, a, it's a game made by a bunch of Ukrainians, I think, and um, set in the, the, the zone of the Chernobyl exclusion area in this alternative uh, history where things are super, super weird there. There are mutants running about, and there's different factions fighting over it. And, um, but it's, this, it's an RPG... Uh, survival sim, more or less. Uh, I guess an immersive sim is the way to put it. But it's it's got it's got mood that games that have like eight times the budget could never even come close to grabbing. Hmm. And so you can tell that it's grabbed the attention of the community when the modding support is just tremendous, and people are still obsessing over it. So it's there, like it's a, it's a dark kind of. Uh, is it a horror? I would say it's a horror, uh, yeah, the horror name, like, survival. Stalker. Well, it's it's based off of two things. So you have the, um, I'm gonna, I'm forgetting the name, but there was a short story um, 
as I think I want to say Stuttgart, but uh, the there are these two Russian brothers that wrote novels, and they wrote an excellent little short story called uh, I think it was uh, Roadside Picnic, and the concept of it is that um, imagine if aliens showed up on Earth and then left, and the only thing that remained from them was their garbage. Similar to if you stopped on the roadside and you ate some chicken or something, threw away some bones, and then some little creatures came across these bones. Like, oh my gosh, what, what is this? What, I don't understand. So that's the premise here, and it, all, it takes place in this world where everything is, like, this this zone is dangerous and weird, and everyone's mm-hmm. excluded from it, but people break into it just to go looking for artifacts and things. Nice. And then there's a movie called uh, directed by um, Tarkovsky, uh, which was Stalker. And it's all about this guy who's leading these two men into this exclusionary zone looking for this mysterious center of it where apparently you can make, it grants wishes. And hey. it's this very, very ponderous, <laughs> gorgeous movie. And then you have the video game, which is like, monsters, yeah, and it's scary, and get out of here, Stalker. And it's just, it's great, top notch. Nice, sounds good. Yeah, anyway, it's it's a great game. Highly recommend it. And uh how do we get onto this? We're talking about Bruce Power. Chernobyl, <laughs> Bruce Power, Hydro Bills. <laughs> yeah. We're 10 minutes in. That's that's decent. So, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Um, no, more about it. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Let's go back. Um, I had kind of like a throwback yesterday. A little bit of a uh, <clears throat> little bit of Viticulture. You remember that game? Uh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I remember Viticulture. Actually, we played it semi-recently. <laughs> Istanbul. Yeah. Some like is some hit, top hits of 2015. All right, so let's do a quick rundown here. Viticulture, uh, how, player count. Did you play Tuscany? How'd it go? Five for everything. Yep. Uh, we just did base games because people were learning, and I don't think I want to throw Tuscany out unless uh, people know what they're doing. Tuscany is, and I said this yesterday because Jason actually really doesn't like Tuscany. Oh, heresy. Um, yeah, but he only played it once, so what does he know? Nothing. <laughs> Not a thing. But uh, uh, Tuscany adds length to the game and complexity to the game, but it kind of fixes the game. It tightens it. We've it, talking it this, talked about this. You lot. have to really think about where you're going. That's what I th- think is special. Yeah. It's, anyway. You, yeah, you, you're the victim of your own choice instead of top decking. Yep. Uh, I talked about the market row suggestions that we, I mean, we talked about, I was telling them that like the first six months of our show, I think was like half video. Complaining about video. <laughs> <laughs> But still lovingly complaining about it. And yeah. I still love the game. We still got out some wine because you have to. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we had a really good time. Okay. And we, we, we just, all the silly things are still there. Yeah. The game hasn't changed. Sell your fields. Yeah. Don't worry about making wine until, like, the very end. We had the, mo- the most hilarious thing because uh, we got in a situation where in order to squeak out vid- victory points, we were all fighting to be go first so that we could either buy or sell our field just you know, for we just had the money sitting at the side and we would <laughs> sell it for seven bucks and then buy it for seven bucks <laughs> like, it, how loose that design is just hurts me it's just so, thinking about it's it. so clunky yeah in the funnest way love it okay i know you're not a fan <laughs> of how clunky it is it's, 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 it's because it's better like, better things have come along yeah but it's that's the thing it's like it's not even better things necessarily it's just you look at it and it's almost quaint in how like how did how many people play tested this like did yeah. you who sat down and said this is a this is a smart way to play the game in which you should immediately just ignore some of the most um 
basic ideas you would go into the game with and no throw them out the window you don't worry about that you want to bring lots of people in and have them do random things don't worry about making wine what are you what's wrong with you but the board is still beautiful it's it's a gorgeous game and the theme is is very lighthearted and lackadaisical because it's like you're right there you're making the wine but there's none of the struggle this (laughs) isn't a everyone wants your wine there's no upkeep there's no penalty to anything you just just go have fun it's a happy game you're right you can do anything And uh, so you, from Viticulture, you did Istanbul. Istanbul, or yeah. Or is it Constantinople? And this is, yeah, before anybody came over, and I mean, we were going to play Terra Mystica, but then it got in the situation where it was like, okay, we already have five. If we had four, I would have just brought Sam with me and we would have been solid. But Sam's been complaining I'm not spending enough time with her. You know how it is. So had to <laughs> uh, appease the gods. The gods <laughs> being my wife. <laughs> no, don't worry. I hear that sound constantly. So I bailed on our group game and instead somehow managed to get four other people in for all these games. And Istanbul was, I was just looking at my shelf and I was like, I gotta play while. Istanbul again. I love while. this game. Yep. And again, you know, we have coffee, uh, but I wanted to play the core game. I wanted to teach it basic but i wasn't going to do the basic setup let's do random come on still uh the board was pretty well balanced we had a lot of fun and uh i don't think anybody was dragging i don't think anybody was like uh, having trouble learning the game i think everything went really smoothly i think istanbul is really easy to teach it's basically like here's your cart here's all the places you can go you know you pick up stuff you sell stuff get gems yeah most gems wins we were talking about changing the game uh, in some subtle ways in that we recreate the entire game exactly as it is, but we change the title to Get These Gemsies. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think it's a commercial success? <laughs> why, why not? <laughs> Just got to get uh, Fantasy Flight Games to publish it and you can include uh, a bunch yeah. of miniatures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sell oh, for 200 bucks. Stretch goals. Stretch goals. <laughs> I'm astounded they haven't made a... Lords that you can actually walk around with. That's kind of cool. I was going to say, I'm surprised they haven't made a uh, <clears throat> like a collector's edition or big box of Istanbul mm. that just combines it, because I'm pretty sure they're done with the expansions and the yeah. dice game is out, which I've never played. I'd be more than happy to try it, um, if, especially if uh, um, Rudger was involved in actually designing it or he didn't just slap his name on it when some they outsourced it to uh, actually Istanbul to come out. You know what was weird and like this is one of many weird things about Letters. Uh, Letters and Seals is the expansion to Istanbul, the second expansion. Yeah. Um, was that personal assistant that you got and the design choice in that just to make them a square. Yeah. Instead of anything else. Well, I guess they want to make it visually distinct because you already have the cylinders and you have the bigger, like you have the yeah. discs and the cylinders. And they're like, well, we could make it a medium-sized cylinder, but that might be confusing as well. So I think mm. they, I think they made the right choice as far as uh, um, user accessibility went. But it's just mm. odd looking. It's just like here's your cube, and it's yeah. a, it's a kind of a big one, isn't it? And now you're remembering these things. So you've got your your thick guy with the sticker on it you've got your thin guys that you either pick up or drop off yeah. you've got your cylinder that you can send out out of the police station <clears throat> and then or yeah your cousin that's you've right you've got your square that you can push around one space yeah 
I, I think it's interesting you say you could. it's an easy teach, and I think for gamers it's an easy teach because mm. it's also easy to express what you're doing and look at what you're doing because it's like, yeah. here are all these spaces here. Here's how far you can move uh, in, until you can do better. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, don't worry about all these discs, but just think of it this way. You have to have a disc behind you in order to do something because you're so busy, these guys do your paperwork for you. Because you yeah. can't, you won't, you do not do your own paperwork, and if you don't have those guys, you can't do anything. Yeah. And you have to call them home, or you can pick them up again uh, if you swing by the place later on. Yeah. And it's just fun. It's you're, a great little. You're pointing out a lot of good things, like good good strategies to employ when teaching a game. Though. Yeah. Um, when I was, I think I was, we were preparing uh, dinner or like making coffee or something for someone, <clears> and uh, I think it was Jason was teaching viticulture because they had got it out, and so. Jason is a pretty good teacher, but it got me thinking about the problems that people come across when they try to teach a game. I think the worst thing that I've seen happen is when they try to teach the entire rules of the game by telling them to the people that are learning mm -hmm. in its entirety, right? There's some things you got to do, Jack. You got to be visual. Visual aid, you got the board in front of you, you got the whole game. Yeah. Just use it. Pick yeah. it up, move things around, you can put them back after. Right? What do you always start with when you teach a game? How to win. How to win. Objective, exactly. <sighs> Istanbul. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> but it's all, I don't know. It, it all depends on the audience. And my issue is that it's one thing for a game to say, like, you win by having the most points. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. And then you end up just, like, doing this. So <laughs> you just immediately <laughs> go back to, so how do I get all these points? Yeah. And you start trying to go through it, and some games are more in-depth than others. Um, I was just thinking back to um, trying to explain Food Chain Magnate to a new person, and I'm, I'm thinking, this is pretty basic in the sense of you want to have the most money, you want to get the most money by selling the most goods to people. How do you sell goods? You need to advertise them to people, and you kind of work your way down. But then in a very gamey element, you're like, oh, by the way, there are these milestones. So the first yeah, person yeah, to do yeah. this, and pay attention to what this is, and you, somebody <laughs> yeah. can only get these ones. And by the way, if you're not doing this, you're never going to get it. Uh, and proximity, you got to do proximity plus cost, and, and oh, then, which but isn't then you the, can reduce the cost. Yeah, and, and that's not it. even the worst, because <laughs> at least you can just kind of do some simple visually, like <coughs> saying like, okay, so whoever's closest, if you're, it, it is going to be the one who is going to sell it if everyone is the same price. Yeah. But if someone is cheaper, people will go an extra space or two extra spaces as long as it doesn't add to the cost because you're basically just adding to the price and distance. It gets a little weird at that point. And depending on, again, it all depends on the audience. Like you're saying, yeah. like you're explaining the viticulture, explaining Istanbul. You can see people are grokking it. Um, you can immediately tell if people are going cross-eyed trying to keep everything. You can see it in the eyes. Yeah, yeah. They, go, they go blank. Yeah. And you know what? Get them involved too, you know? Yeah. Use their name in the teaching. Hey, <laughs> see dummy. When, when Jason over here comes and steals my goods. Yeah, yeah. Vaguely, uh, <laughs> you're right though. It is like conversational technique or something to yeah. use somebody's name. You kind of you you're subtly kind of like slapping them a bit, kind of saying yeah. like, "Here, look, you're and getting their attention." It's a skill you develop over time, and when you see somebody else doing it wrong. It's hard to just sit there and let let it happen. You know, you almost want to just slap the pieces out of their hand and yeah. say, oh, no, 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 no. But no. Well, that's if it, like, again. You got to be played. <laughs> if, well, true. And if you know how to, if you can explain a game uh, and someone else can explain the game and you're looking at them kind of floundering or doing a poor job, you can kind of like maybe politely interrupt here and there and just kind of mm -hmm. like, kind of like how in certain rule books you have like the big long description on the side They'll have like little the condensed box. little box, which is yeah. like, okay, that's for the like the meat and potatoes. Yeah. This is just what do I need to know? Kind of like all um, of the uh, 
the Aaliyah games do that. Yeah, the Aaliyah games. <clears throat> so I was Felds. Say Felds, yeah. I don't yeah, know it's if like a little window it. on the right where it's like, Keyflower, you don't want to read all this. I think Keyflower does something similar. I could be wrong, but you're right. Yeah, so anyway, it, rules explanations are critical, and I think that's, we go through this, it feels fairly frequently because it's so important because it's one of the first steps. Yeah. Uh, so you punch out the game and you marvel at it, or you curse the credit components and the, oh, I paid how much for this? <laughs> and then you look at the rule book. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to hop in and say, uh, Kale and I finally got to try Roads and Boats. Nice. We learned it on uh, New Year's Day, actually. The one day we had no, no plans whatsoever and went downstairs and christened the new game room with Roads and Boats. And we spent an hour punching out every component <laughs> because I think there are 400 oh different uh, punched things from hexes to little chits that are about the size of, um, I don't know if they're smaller or the same size as the Megasiv uh, chits mm. as well. And uh, there, there are many of them, and you kind of organize them. Are they all the same, or you have to keep them separate? Uh, you want them separate. <laughs> so I got the. I, I bought the some castles of Burgundy. It's. I'm trying to think of how bad Burgundy is. I haven't opened it so long, uh, but it's about the same thickness of the pieces. So the quali- the component quality is about <laughs> the same in terms of like visual fidelity and uh, just overall quality. Uh, but I used uh, two sets of GMT counter trays, um, and I was able to spread things out nicely and then i used a tackle box um the plano 3600s for the player pieces and it felt good when everything was in its place and easy to go through and when we were doing this kale and i were thinking um it's a little disappointing that the game didn't come with anything to for organizational purposes but i get it spotter can barely put out a game without screwing up the components in some manner so it's a win in that sense and in which it showed up everything intact strengths and weaknesses strengths and weaknesses splutter. um Get but I, we were comparing though to imagine if feast for odin had shown up and there were no counter trays or something and you just had this <laughs> a blob of tokens and you're just staring at them going well how am i supposed to organize these or every time pull out the bag with all these ones in it and just yeah. you know, lean them up like this so it's essential and it's such a cheap thing to add yeah. can you imagine like a super <clears throat> like a, a collaboration like almost like um the what was it when it like feed uh, the world? <laughs> were Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and oh the the and, traveling Wilburys? Oh okay, I see. If they had like a traveling Wilburys of developer companies, the where time. let's say Simon did like the figures and uh, uh, Splatter did the game design, <laughs> that'd be incredible. <laughs> we had a like a whole case and a and a player board made by Jamie Stegmeier. And <laughs> you laugh, but it's. Uh, we, we've come sort of close in which, um, I think we talked about this in the previous show or not, but uh, Splatter partnered with Capstone to reprint Bus mm. uh, 20th Anniversary Edition or whatever. Yeah, I think it was 20th Anniversary. Wow. Um, so, uh, and it's the only time I think they've ever done it in which some other company kind of took one of their games and released it themselves. And generally a speaking, a collaboration. And the, the buzz and... Uh, it should be here shortly hey. that people were saying they it was like one of the games of the year for them. So I'm really excited to give that one a shot when it shows up. But okay, but back to Rose back and Boats. Back to Rose it and Boats. Ugly, but... Ugly, but uh, it is... Uh, if you love logistics, <laughs> <laughs> if the idea of setting up uh, businesses, taking goods from one place to another and turning them into other goods and moving those goods back to somewhere else excites you... This is your dream come true. <laughs> it is logistics, the game, and it is, uh, and 
it is possible to lose turn one, literally. Mm, dang. And Kale and I both lost really. turn one. <laughs> no, this is a hard loss. I'm yeah. not, I'm kidding. I'm saying like lose lose. You cannot. There's no like. You no cannot go back. forward. <laughs> You're just dead. So you start off, and I'm just going to explain this quickly. Uh, so the whole point of the game is that you want to have the most money or most uh, valued goods at the end of the game, but only a couple things are worth goods, which are uh, raw gold, gold coins, and stock certificates. Uh, in order to get raw gold, that's that's half decent, but you have this board set up of a bunch of these hexes, and you can go from scenario book that gives you a bunch of options depending on player count, what type of game you want to play, and so on. And you can look at it and kind of match it up. Kind of, uh, it's like um, Twilight Imperium. You're kind of just you're building these hexes, but you're following the map. Uh, but you can also do it pure Twilight Imperium style, where you are semi-drafting tiles, and you've got I've got ten, you've got ten. And I put one down, then you put another one down, and you only in Carcassonne style you have to obey the way rivers and water goes. But okay. after that, you're it's up to you. So you build a map, and there are places that are pastures, forests, deserts, mines, and oceans. And each of these has different sort of things you can do with them. Deserts are completely useless to you until halfway through the game when irritation is <laughs> developed, and then you can build on them as nice. you would anything else. Pastures. Uh, you can build whatever you like on them. Uh, forests, you can, uh, if you put certain things on them, you can cut down trees every round. And uh, mountains are where you can develop mines, which will pull out either uh, uh, gold or iron ore. And each, all these things can be moved around via, at the start, you have donkeys. These mm. lovely little donkeys, and they can move a couple spaces. If you're on a road or one space anywhere else, they can carry up the two things. And you've got these geese that follow them. Oh, oh is and this the anonymous goose? or Yeah, well, geese? might as well be, right? <laughs> Except they don't steal from you, although someone else can steal them. I'll get to that in a second. And uh, the geese will always follow your transporters, um, where if they go into a space or they leave a space with a, a, a goose, you can have the goose follow them if you want, or they can stay put. The geese are, <laughs> this is one of the most bizarre mechanisms I've ever heard in the game. The geese are used for research. <laughs> so you, Oh, yeah. Scientist geese. Yeah. So you use two geese and a piece of paper, and the geese take that paper and fly off somewhere <laughs> and never return. <laughs> but Wait, magically, is it an actual paper? It's, uh, no, it's, uh, you develop That's the resource of paper. paper token. Okay. A paper thing. And uh, you, they disappear, and all of a sudden you're allowed to go on your research track, which lets you develop technology. So technology ranges from building cars to building steamboats to developing uh, oil rigs to oh, this is advanced. advancing stuff. So you get to do a bunch of stuff. This is no medieval era. Well, it starts boats. off very simple, and but you, it's got this great thing that Splatter is really good at is this sense of progression, and that's what Civ does really well too, and that there's this organic development, and you feel like things are improving, not the game just kind of saying, all right, turn three, you now have this. It's like, no, you naturally develop these better things because it's better for you, and you mm. want to win, and it makes sense. So eventually you look back and you say, oh my god, look, look at this land. So anyway, you're moving your donkeys around, and if you leave two animals alone in a space, you get a third animal, magically. Hey. But they have to be totally alone, and that's the key thing. They can't be anything else there. So if you have geese following them, no, nope, doesn't work. If you've built something on space, doesn't work. If there are any mm. resources there, doesn't work. So it's very, very tricky to get this uh, going, too. And you're all about turning, moving these resources around the map, and since you're limited in how much you can carry and the spaces you're going, you have to really think about where you're dropping sort of stuff and what you're building because you can only ever build one building in that place and you can never get rid of it. So if you build stuff in the wrong place 
and you're just saying, oh my God, I built that so far away. It's going to take my donkeys three turns to take that wood there, to turn the planks, to bring it back here, to build this. And you just think, oh, I've, I've done a number on myself. But it's not losing. It's you haven't just hard poorly. lost yet. So how can you hard lose? You can hard lose because the game starts you off with the exact amount of resources to build. Um, I believe it is a, um, it's either the lumber mill or um, the, the, uh, the, the place that turns them into planks. If you do not use them for the express purpose of building the uh, plank construction place, you will never win the game because you are now out of the materials necessary to progress any further and you can never get any more. You can never get that back. Unless your opponent has done it uh, or successfully done it, and this gets into the whole aspect, which is very Wallacey, you don't own anything in Mm. this game. All your stuff is there. It's an 18xx. Well, it's (laughs) (laughs) sort of... (laughs) Um, all the things there, any good left unattended can be scooped up by somebody else. Okay. Any building. You're just sitting on it. Yeah, yeah. You're just, you're just kind of there. You're just using it. So. What was that mist game? Via Nebula. Yeah. So Martin Wallace loves that design of like everything's sort of shared and you want to, you kind of, you grabble up all you, or gobble up all you can at first and you just hope that you got enough because (laughs) it's not going to survive because other players are going to come along. Like all, a lot of his games do something like this. So Roads and Boats is the exact same thing. You could argue, I don't know if it's the OG of the the mechanic, but it's definitely there. So you have to be careful and you don't want to leave things behind and you're getting a little worried if your donkeys are not carrying all they can carry. And you're trying to keep an eye on your opponent and think, are they short on stuff? Are they going to come in? They can also take your geese just in the same way that (laughs) if you left your geese unattended, (laughs) they can come in and walk away with them if they're just sitting there. Um, My followers now. Yeah, exactly. So they're your geese. What's the the player count here? You can go up to, I think, six with the expansion. So then it would be really risky with six people. Like, you're looking at one person. You can definitely keep an eye on where they're at. This, I could see things getting insane at some what's certain your, map sets. What's your board presence as far as keeping this stuff? Is it just your donkeys? No, so it's so tra- the as far as keeping it goes, you can get more transporters. You're only allowed eight total, and uh, of those, I think four or five is your max of your land ones because you get uh, water ones too. Mm. So you can get like people on rafts, you roads get rowboats, boats. roads and boats, <laughs> and you build roads in this game too. To So certain things like a truck have to have roads in order to go on them. So if you haven't built those, you're screwed. So it's another thing you have to think about. I need stone to put these roads down mm. and it's taking you turns because you have to have the stone with your transporter when you build these roads. And it's, it, it is just... I don't want to say a puzzle, but every round you're sitting there thinking, okay, I want to do this, and there's never enough time for it because how does the game end? You've got this thing called the Wonder Track, which is a very bizarre uh, title. I don't know why, but every round you have the option of contributing to the Wonder in forms of bricks, and the bricks can be used by any resources you've got available to you, at least in the possession of a transporter. And at first they cost you one per one. One brick, one resource. But resources are really tight at that point, so you're like, okay, it's still a tough choice, but you put a brick on there, and each brick in each row is worth points at the end based on how many other people are there, too. So you and your opponent both do this, and then at least at two-player accounts, I'm not sure if it's always there, a neutral brick gets put in there. So there's a natural timer to the game. So if nobody did anything, there'd be 33 yeah. rounds. As people put more bricks in, yeah. How long are these rounds? Well, it depends. Like, they start to... They, they do go decently quick. Okay. Especially when you know what you're doing. But things can expand and they get kind of big Is by the end. Is a round a turn each? Um, yeah, so you do everything you want to do. 
and it's more or less simultaneous unless it isn't, which is kind of the Civ <laughs> thing where it lets you go, okay, players are allowed to do everything simultaneously unless someone requests you go in turn order. Yeah. And then there's even another mechanic where it's like, okay, if it goes in turn order, people who are further down the track have the option to, uh, no, I'm going to go first. I, I don't want you taking this thing or I want to go first so I can take your thing. And then it kind of resets. And then the next time it happens, you have the option of going ahead of them. And it's little, I'm not going to go into it too much. But bottom line is turn order is malleable, uh, yeah. more or less. But most of the time, you're, everyone's doing the same thing. But it was, uh, it took us a long time just learning it for the first time. Yeah, but so once Hour to punch it out. Hour to punch it out, probably half hour, hour to just kind of figure out what we were doing. The rule book's mercifully short and reasonably well written. Uh, I will say, though, a huge criticism when I was organizing them is that the it does it's very poor at explaining what some of these things are and with all the expansions there it's kind of tricky where you're kind of eyeballing like what tokens correspond to what tokens because mm. the expansion for some it's reason the expansion rules were like they didn't have pictures of what some of the expansion chits really? were just so like, you're just kind of looking thing, at them. Right? Yeah, yeah yeah either way um so all in all i'd say we it we it took us two hours of actual playing to get through the game but it could be very long and i think with higher player accounts it could be very long but if everyone's playing simultaneously it's not that bad um but uh in general we both had a really good time i think we was i think we were starting to drag by the end after like all the punching and the rule learning and just kind of moving chits around and your eyes are starting to go a little blurry because it's in the afternoon as well but was there any was it like a was there a sense of engine building where one person oh. was ahead um yes and no um, I got a, an early mine and I had a lot of early resources, but Kayla got a bunch of other stuff. So she was doing some she things better than paths. I was and I was doing stuff better than she was. And then we both kind of started to go around, try to do what the other person was doing, but mm. I was more successful, um, building stuff she did and she transitioning, transitioning and she had to, sh she was re missing the resources from the mount or the, um, the mountain spaces because she really needed the gold and the iron and so i was able to make some I built a mint and i was able to make some gold mm. coins and i only got one of them because i want a stock certificate so bad but it was so <laughs> difficult and uh so but the bottom line is for a learning game is very tight and yep. we both had a good time and i and the one last thing i'll say about it too is that the game comes with um this so you put your uh, hexes on the board or on the table and then you take this thin piece of plastic um thicker plastic borderline plexiglass but not that thick and you put it over and we taped it down because it's like this is bouncing up a bit and it's not very good and you actually draw the roads physically Aww, uh, on the board which is really cute it's just it's unnecessary but it's cute because yeah. <laughs> you could have done anything else again and you can put up walls too that's the last thing i'll say uh so you can build a wall in your turn and that means that only you can go through them mm. and, but your opponent can it's got a gate yeah, yeah. it's your gate it's your gate you've, you've got, got the code on it, it. you but your opponents can blow it up and replace it with a neutral one that both <laughs> players can go through as well. But you can add more walls to your wall and whatever. <laughs> so anyway, roads and boats, um, really something else. And I think it's, I'm not sure if other games have copied it to an extent. I don't know if it's utterly unique, but I think for a game that's 20 years old, uh, I can't imagine how revolutionary it would have been when it came out. And uh, but as it is, I still think it's a really neat game, and it's distinctively splatter in that you get this per sense of this, um, you're thinking hard, and every decision is kind of important, and you can look back and go, oh, I screwed that up, and think about how long it took you to recover from mm. simple mistakes. Very good. You, uh, you mentioned, before we go to break, you yeah. were mentioning... Uh, you can lose turn one. Yeah. Did you know that in advance, if there was a way where 
Babylon, I think, could just take Hellas out, like, in the second round. If they moved into the wrong spot, you could just, like, eat their piece. I think I heard something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know um, Game of Thrones, second edition, I think if, without house ruling, or I think the, the most recent expansion solved it, but I think the... Um, the ones without... The can't muster could kill... Could destroy the Lannisters, the I Lannisters, think. Or just basically yeah. knock them out turn one if you did things exactly because <laughs> there was no counters. Like, it, it was broken in the most literal sense of that. Yeah. I do this, you do that. There's no possible con- way to beat me. Hmm. But Roads and Boats is more of a... You destroyed yourself. <laughs> yes. You can <laughs> screw over, over other people. Because like I said, if you're putting buildings down, nothing else can go there. And... Um, you can never destroy it, too. You can put up walls which interfere in people's plans. You can just kind of swoop in and take their resources. It's this passive-aggressive <laughs> method of destruction that's I think, sums up the Euro experience. Yeah. But uh, it, really, really cool game. I also got a chance to play Tiny Towns, and that kind of reminds me of that because it was like uh, uh, you're picking cubes, and everybody has to put the cube down on the yeah. thing. Um, and you could be just taking the cubes to build the thing that you want to build, or you can look around oh, and be yeah. like, what does somebody really not want to have on their board right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it at the end of the game when you're looking around, and it's like, you're, you're sweating because I cannot afford another blue yeah. cube. <laughs> and it's like, blue. <laughs> no! <laughs> but it turns out I could have done much better. What I learned was I had no idea you could do things in different orientations. I thought basically oh, you were locked you in. was yeah. had to be that way. You are playing hard mode. Yeah. Okay. All right. Musical break. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93FM, which you just heard was Jean-Luc by Miles Davis, Quintet, from the film um, Ascenseur pour le chefau, Lift to the Gallows, or Elevator to the Gallows, depending on <laughs> who's, uh, who's doing the translation. Uh, it was a Miles Davis Christmas for me because... I got my father a bunch of uh, jazz albums mm. because that's always an easy one and it's always appreciated to be able to throw on a CD even though I think he's been listening to a lot of... Um, he uses Tidal super often because he's got the same login as I do and it's yeah. so easy to just punch in something. Um, but nothing quite like putting on a CD and also having the hard copy yourself. Nobody's taken that away from you. Yeah. So... Consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't get that joke for the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> she pees her pants a lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just didn't understand the context. Like, like oh, she's How cool she's like an improvisational <laughs> genius. I don't know. Um, so before we left, we were talking about Ubut, uh, Tiny Towns, and um, Roads and Boats, Viticulture, uh, Istanbul, yeah. Um, we're still continuing the holiday roundup as none far as None of I'm those concerned. games, yeah. None of those games did we receive during Christmas. They weren't new games. Yeah. and Well, Roads and Boats was new to yeah, you. Yeah, new. Like, to me, I, I haven't got opened it. No new games for Christmas for me. No. Um, not a single one? No, because. I guess you're just constantly buying yourself whatever you want. Well, it's that. And it's like I told you before, I feel weird asking my yeah, family for right. a game because it's like I don't like asking something specifically at this point because it just feels odd unless it, you really want and some if my parents or a family come up to me and said ask get me ask for something specifically like have something fun I just yeah. okay that's easy as opposed to just <laughs> not me I was sending links man I, <laughs> I know like, oh wait wait I just found Dune for a dollar less I, you know See, that's just, that's considerate. <laughs> but it feels weird and it's kind of like, uh, I basically just bought this for myself. Yeah, it's just, exactly. just give me your credit card and I'll do it. Because I've definitely done that with mom before on Amazon because she doesn't understand how to do it. Like, this is as simple as it gets. But, all right, fine, like here. The, the damaged copy of War of the Ring. Like, yeah, yeah. Just got to get this now. Yeah. So did you buy it online? Just say pick up or? I don't know. Sam got it. Oh, okay. That's another thing where, you know, I sent her the link and I said, I really want this game. <laughs> it's $30 less than you would normally get it for. Yeah. Do what you will. I'm not saying buy it. I'm not saying don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it showed up, I would not be upset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I think I lost a warg rider. Um, left it at the guy's place that I was... No, I got it back. Oh. So, but it was a close one because, you know, that's a long drive. 16, 17 hours <laughs> to go pick up a warg rider. You probably fit that in the uh, in the uh, in an envelope or a little... Yeah, yeah. Poor Isengard wouldn't have all of their troops. Oh no, poor Isengard! Someone think of Isengard. One of the one of the drags in in War of the Rings is that uh, for the Fellowship is that every time they loot they, every time you kill a guy, it stays dead. So if you're Gondor, you're Rohan, you're trying your best to defend yourself. Eventually, you'll lose. There's a hundred percent that you will eventually not be able to defend yourself because. When the bad guys lose a guy, it goes back into the reinforcements. It just know? shows up later on yeah. but at an inconvenient time. <laughs> uh, I think Meeple Mart deserves a shout out for just being um, a generally good space. And they're very good at their discounts in the dents and ding sections. Yeah, sure. um, that I, don't, I have no idea what sort of math they do or if it all depends on the um, the agreement they have with their suppliers that yeah. if something shows up dented or dinged that they immediately get a, a discount off and they just pass it right on to the, yeah. the consumers or what and yeah you're right and like sometimes they're they're nothing yeah right? 
You it's can get really lucky. Very imperceptible. Board game bliss is pretty good too. There's uh, they're usually they're very good with their dents and dings, and you'll it'll often be like five percent off or something, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's like it's a nice gesture. And let's just say, considering, oh no, it's like you kind of looking at it cross-eyed, trying to figure out, oh, the corner's a little smushed. It's like I've bought games yeah. brand new that looked exactly the same. The content's perfect. Content's perfect. Who cares? Although. I think there are some collector types out there that's unacceptable, yeah. which is insane to me because it's like, are you opening the game? What's the? It depends what you're getting the game for, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, so you did get to play War of the Ring, though, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. second game of War of the Ring, another victory for the uh, Forces of Evil. Uh, this one a little, le- little less close, but still close. Um, How long? Uh-oh. I think we started setting up at 11 <laughs> and finished at 4. <laughs> Five hours. I like the, the, the look in the <laughs> distance. <to> that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can remember because they, <clears throat> they wanted to do one of these escape rooms, and uh, they were talking, oh, well, maybe we'll, we'll do it at 2. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll do it at 3. And then at 4. At uh, 4 o'clock, do you still want to do tomorrow. it? See you tomorrow. Just... <laughs> yeah. Well, we did do the escape yeah. room, too, after. Which one? Uh, this was um, something, about, something about riddles, House of oh. Riddles, um, one of the new ones, and again, it was like a two out of five, and I don't think I'd recommend a two out of five for us, but uh, too easy. Yeah, they are, they're like almost like kid friendly. So have they gotten it down then? Because it used to be the ratings seemed to be all over the place, and that it's like yeah. this was a four out of five, or this was a three out of five. I don't, I don't well, we it. haven't we haven't finished the yeah the, the twofer. But there's yeah. one with an actual candle, so they had to put in like a thousand warnings not to burn your house down. And uh, <laughs> did, did we talk about? Yeah, we talked about when we when we covered all the RPGs with Harry. Do you remember us talking briefly about ten candles? Um, I think so. Yeah. Well, I remember the conversation. I remember the game. I don't, I remember yeah. the conversation briefly. The concept I guess, is you're all gonna die, and yeah, there's and ten candles on the table. You burn and your the character. Go out, you die. That you couldn't play a Gen Con because of the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's stupid. So you could do candle, uh, candle looking lights, but you can. Jack, what's happening to the world? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I look. I understand there's liability issues, but nobody's burning down a hotel with uh, ten IKEA candles. All right, it's yeah. not. I if I wanted to, it'd be very difficult <laughs> to do it, if not outright impossible. Um, or maybe they're just worried that the like hypersensitive smoke detectors might detect like ten candles just going in the middle yeah. of a crowded whatever. Well, the problem is just everybody gets sued for everything these days. So if you're gonna produce a produce a game that uh, gets you to set things on fire, yeah. Uh, a lawsuit might be coming your way. <sighs> lawsuit, lawsuit. Insane. Anyway, uh, so did you like the other escape room? Or did, was the ease of it too, did it actually detract from the experience? We had fun. It was the first one I think we've ever finished in under an hour. Wow. And like two clues. So it was pretty breezy. Um, but uh, like a whole bunch of veterans, right? So it wasn't like uh, nobody was being taught taught the game so and it was probably pretty self-explanatory too and that's like yeah exactly it's another one of the ones where it's like turn to the next page for the next thing okay it's like very linear very you know exactly what you need and the clues that you get are a hundred percent guaranteed the clues that you need for the next thing so it's not like in our situation oh, yeah. where you get a bunch of clues and you don't know if they're actually related right to the next puzzle or what page is related to the next puzzle. I've kind of flipped back and forth on the the exit games in that I, I've always liked them, but sometimes I find I, I get 
PTSD flashbacks to like the worst the of the worst adventure <laughs> games and just kind of like it, the castle was just awful. I hated it. Not it's, the experience was still fun, but the puzzles were so stupid that it was just like, just give me the answer. Come on, let's go. Yeah. But it's the I just don't like. Uh, and, and Tomb of Horrors was doing the same thing to me and that <laughs> yeah. I don't like mind reading someone deliberately being obtuse. Yeah. Uh, those are the worst puzzles in the world as far as I'm concerned. It's not even a puzzle. It is rolling dice and trying to f- glean some sort of information from randomness and yeah. hopefully construct it together. And th- the best puzzles are ones that feel organic. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with including something that's like contrived, but at least it's, if there are some rules and you can kind of establish like boundaries between them. I'm not just sitting there staring at it and like, you know, the, the worst adventure games were you'd just be using object on every object because there's no sense of like, oh, so suddenly the fire extinguisher yeah. works on the microphone because that's You're what I need. stepping on a wall, just swinging yeah. at it well, to or, find a secret entrance. Yeah, like the, the FPS games, wall humping, just, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> okay, I got it, great. Like, Grimrock, at least, you, d- you had to look for a secret entrance or like the bricks and weird things. So yeah. And there were hints and clues. And if you walk down an empty hallway, it's like... This doesn't feel right. Yeah. And then you look around. It's this like too, act, easy. too easy or you actually have to observe stuff. And anyway, you're almost conditioned by the game in those sense. Yes. <laughs> I, I think there's some fancy hoity-toity hipster uh, words for that stuff. I think uh, ludo narrative is what they use. And it oh, makes yeah. me want to punch myself in the face when I hear someone use it unironically. Ludo narrative. Really disturbs me. Anyway. It's Halloween again. Fun. I wish. Uh... So, oh, okay. I've got another game. So we got to play another game that's been sitting around for a little bit. Um, Reckholt. Reckholt. Oh, yeah. Which is a Rosenberg design. Rosenberg. Published by, a, oh, I'm going to describe, I want to, it's not his usual company. It's not one of the big guys, Z-Man or, uh, or F- Fuerspiel or whatever. Um, Funders, Funderland, whatever. So first question before we even start. Yep. Was it different from Patchwork and all of its spawns? Yes. Yes, Finally. yes, yes. Uh, this was, but it's a, my understanding is it's a semi-remake of At the Gates of Loyang, which mm-hmm. I never played, and it was out of print for a while, and then Tasty Minstrel Games reprinted it, and I've never seen it on sale or or cheap enough to make me bite on it when Reckold was there, and it was on sale for a long time, Board Game Bliss, because I think they were trying to move in copies. <laughs> and in both Rosenberg and uh, Board Game Bliss's defense, it is a weird game that mm-hmm. um, is very pretty. Plays quickly. I've only played it two. Kayla and I did a couple. Of, I think we played it three or four times. Uh, I think we did two games back to back, and then we did another game or two because uh, it's very simple. And the whole premise is that you are Nordic farmers, and apparently Iceland is known for growing lots of vegetables in greenhouses. That's mm. they they use ge- <laughs> geothermal energy. That's their specialty. So what you do is you've got uh, a bunch of discs that look exactly like the. Uh, things from Agricola or mm. Gaverna, and you put little stickers of some very unpleasant-looking <laughs> people. Ugly. They're, ugly they're weird-looking Icelandic. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not being represented well. And then you put them on certain spaces on the board, and there's different zones corresponding, but it's a 4 by 4 I believe. And each one of these corresponds to different action, but you're trying to get greenhouses, and you're trying to get uh, different vegetables, and you're supposed to put them in the greenhouses, and when similar to Agricola or Caverna, it takes you one of your um, goods to put into the field, but then your field is populated with mm. as much as it can hold Gross. of that thing. Yeah, uh, which is actually way more generous in those games because you usually get like what is it, one to two or yeah, one you to get one, one sometimes. For vegetables or two for grains. yeah. 
And why do you get all these things? Well, because at the end of uh, when everyone's out of their workers, there's tourist season. All the tourists show up and they want to be fed certain vegetables. Mm. And it's all, it's, they're not spread up. So it'll always be like one tomato, one mushroom, one carrot, and so on. Then it turns into two tomatoes too much. So if you have them in your possession, not in your field, in your possession, you move your token up and mm. you trade them in. You're feeding these people. If you don't have what's necessary, you're allowed to move forward one space for free and you take all those goods that you weren't able to feed. It's kind of, I guess, I forget the mechanic they call it. And then you can keep going if you've got those, res- if you've got those goods. If you don't, you stop, and okay. then you go to the next time. So you're balancing what you need versus what you can afford to just kind of go, eh, I'll just take those for free. <laughs> and you're kind of going around there. But because you only have three actions a turn, and you always want to do more, in classic Rosenberg sense, mm. um, there is a tightness to the game. And... It's fun. It's a pretty game. It's It plays quickly. The production value is nice. I think I would not like to pay um, full price for it because I think it retailed mm. for something like 50-something dollars, 55, yeah. and it feels a little light for that. But uh, as far as gameplay goes, it reminded me a lot more of um, Mercator because it even has the little boxes you build that you can put your the meeples of mm. the, the vegetables and things in. Um, than other games, but it's fun and it was cute. And if you can play at a cafe, I think you could. Everyone could pick it up in two seconds, and it might be all right. But it's not nice. going to pulse pound, and it's not going to be a game of the year by any stretch. Kind of sounds a bit like um, overcooked with limited resources. <laughs> you know, all these customers showing up, and they want certain things. And if you yeah. have the things, you can push them out and get your money. But otherwise. I guess you're holding on to the stuff. Yeah, it's just a weird thing in that you're if you can't feed them whatever you're required to moving up this track or moving around the track, those that's basically the VP track, then you move one space and take everything that you weren't able to feed them because mm. I don't know if like you keep it and you keep it, it goes in your inventory basically and then and you, you can, can use plant it. that again you can plant it again the next time it's almost or... like you don't want to perfectly meet the demands otherwise you're out of stuff exactly so you want you need to be careful if you are it is a bit of a knife edge where you're you're sitting there saying okay I want to keep going oh man but if I feed these people this time I'm gonna have to take more actions to get more carrots because carrots right. are the most valuable thing in records apparently. And so, only certain fields can support certain things, and smaller fields support the best stuff, or the, the rarest, whereas the biggest fields support the most common. Different actions give you stuff, and you can even get technology, which provide lo- ongoing bonuses or one-time bonuses. So, anyway. So, here's my question. Because yep. in a general sense, I have a, a vested interest in the, in the works of Rosenberg, yep. and I've been kind of disappointed lately. Uh, in that it seems like he just wants to remake Patchwork over and over and over again. And Ray Cole, that's fairly new. It was 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah, I think somewhere in there. So do you think that maybe he'd go back to some worker placements or something something new is coming out of this? Mm. Based on this game, I would say no, because (laughs) it's it's more, I think it's more just an update of a design that maybe he's been thinking about and maybe somebody, I don't know whether, the cynic in me would say, um, somebody approached him and said, design a game for us. And he's like, okay, how do you feel about me updating this old one? Said, Whatever, fine. Yeah. Um, the, I think he'll always be doing worker placement games, but it's always going to be, it, it's got, it's going to be an evolution, I think. Yeah. And maybe he won't always be doing action selection worker placement in the traditional sense. But if you were to kind of like look at it from a distance, kind of like one of those magic eyes and you, go, oh, and you get closer and closer and closer. And it's like, it is a Rosenberg <laughs> game in the sense I know, but yeah. It's interesting that he hasn't like 
What not, does he put up recently? Not that he owes us anything. I mean, <laughs> entitlement. We already have Feast for Odin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I as you know, I've been playing a lot of Patchwork at work. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect game for a lunch break. Yeah. And it's still a great game, even though I still have no idea of the best strategy in it. And um, did you get the just, application? I wish he would would stop just continuing to make that game. He just loves you. I think he's. It's. I think we're in alignment here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, me and Rosenberg, I mean, <laughs> that I like putting tiles down yeah, and I like it I when it's more interesting to put tiles down too because it's one thing to just put a square down and match terrain. It's another thing to be like, oh my, this is an odd piece. How do I fit it with other things? And like, yeah. Rotate it, rotate, rotate it. it again. Did you pay, play Baron Park? Uh, no. Yeah. I don't know if you'd like yeah, it. <laughs> don't play it. <laughs> okay. but, but it's closer to uh, Patchwork Cottage Gardens type of stuff. But uh, anyway, so we've got, uh, we'll say we have two minutes left, Joel. Uh, what else you, did you play this holiday break? Oh, boy. Uh, we played a ton of Wingspan. I'll just say that. Uh, Wingspan, I think, is actually getting better as time goes on, and I I will heartily endorse the European expansion. Okay. It Why? doesn't change the game in any way as far as um, what strategies you might employ, but it just kind of builds on it. It's like what I liked about Cities of Splendor. Is it's all optional ands that add to the game, and there's a lot more... Um, there's a lot more options to like pay different food. So if like you're in a tough situation, you can really just like break out into a different kind of strategy. Do you think it'll become like required and that you're always gonna have the European birds mixed in? I think the game works without them, fine. But I think the European birds is, there's no reason to not have it in the game. In fact, it just gets shuffled into the main deck. Why take them out? Okay, so it's, do they have a little symbol at least, like if you want to take them out yeah. or if you know they're... Okay. I was just close playing Wingspan over the break and his friends were coming over who were talking about it and they had it and then they're saying, so want to play Wingspan? I said, well, where is it? They said, you don't have it? No. Do you have it? No. Oh, you don't own it. Right. <laughs> no. uh, and they're like... And I had it at your place for a bit too. It's yeah. like, it's just not meant to be... So we played Second Chance instead, which is the roll oh, and write yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, patchwork, which yeah. has been... I love roll It's been a hit. Yeah. Absolute hit. Everyone's loved it, Joel. It's crazy. It's so simple. Anyone can do it. Um, anyway, we're out of time. Thank you for listening. Uh, check us out. Have a good day. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter. Tweet at us. Tweet baby. at us. 80 Radio, CFRU, Instagram, all the rest. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>